Welcome to another episode of the Women on the Rise podcast and I am recording in our London studios with some incredible female entrepreneurs and today I am joined by Claire Walker who is an absolute legend on the London PR scene and she is going to share with us everything about building her London-based PR agency. Welcome to the podcast, Claire. Thank you, Jen. I'm so excited to have you um, because you're not only are you someone who's very well known in the PR and communication scene, but you have had a business for a number of years and built an incredibly successful business here in London. Thank you. I think it's 38 years now, which is quite a while. And, and actually, I'm really proud to say that it's been profitable for all of those years, which is <laughs> quite remarkable. Um, but yes, that's quite a long time to be running a business. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's the the time just goes by, doesn't it, when you have it your really, business? It, it really does. It it sort of feels like about two years ago, to be honest with you. It's, right. it's ridiculous how time has flown by and how much. But then I reflect how much fun I've had. And I, I've yeah. packed quite a lot of fun into those 38 years, which is great. Well, do you know, a friend of mine said to me the other day, she said, when you describe yourself, you need to say that you have three decades of entrepreneurship experience. And I'm like... No, that makes me sound old. <laughs> and I was like, and oh. she's like, "Yes, you are." Oh. <laughs> but it is like it goes by so fast. It feels like it was yesterday. Yes, it re- it really does actually. And I and I do find um uh, you know even now I'm sort of thinking of all the things that I was doing when I first started up because you know the company has grown and been big and then you know shrunk a little bit and then go- and I'm always thinking about a time when we did this a time when and there are lots of times when we've done all yeah. sorts of things but but actually what is really so lovely is whilst you know whilst the company has changed and the sort of business climate has changed um that it doesn't feel like the same business. I don't think there's anything we do today that we did the same even 10 years ago, never mind 20 years ago, never mind before that. Actually, you know, the pace of change is pretty relentless. Yeah. So um, I'm quite challenged learning new things all the time. And uh, that, that, that keeps me on my toes, yeah. most definitely. I find that, gosh, you know, I was thinking that I, I guess as well, because you know, I'm, I'm hitting 50 this year and I'm determined that I'm like, I have to know everything. Like I love learning and, you know, getting up to date with like the latest AI and the tech. And it's a joke within our office too, that I know more about the tech than the younger kids in my office do because I want to know how it works. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for a lot of the the younger people in the workplace, they've kind of grown up with it. It's yeah. just such a natural for them. But we really have to apply ourselves to understand it. But I, I get great joy in being my family's sort of, you know, tech whiz. You know, when people struggle with this or struggle with that, I have to sort it out for them, which just tickles me that I can actually still play that role. But so I'm cool. quite a queen of the apps and, uh, <laughs> and I enjoy it. Amazing. Well, before we dive in, because I have... A million questions for yeah. you. Maybe you can tell everybody who doesn't know you just a little bit sure. about your entrepreneurial journey. Of course. Well, um, I did actually set up Firefly in 88. And um, it, it, I wouldn't say it was on a whim, but it was as a result of, you know, other things that were going on in my life. And it was very different times then. It was all, you know, Margaret Thatcher era and women power and those sorts of things. Um, but I've never looked back from there. And, you know, over those years, we've set up offices in different countries and some have been more successful than others. Some were for particular reasons at the time. But we still have offices in London and in Paris and in Munich. And it's important to us to be, you know, in Europe. Um, and the, the company has 
swelled to over 150 people and it's, you know, shrunk back to being a slightly more manageable number of, you know, under 30 people. And we seem to go in waves. And, you know, sometimes we go through growth phases and sometimes we're consolidating. But, you know, all the while you've got to make sure you've got the right number of people in the business to be able to deliver a fantastic service, you know, to your clients. And of course, what has helped massively over the past, I would say probably 10 years, is this whole advent of, you know, the gig economy and people wanting to work from home and people wanting to work flexibly, people wanting to work on their own terms. So you can begin to have, you know, a core team of how however many full-time members of staff, but then you can swell by working with freelancers, um, people who want to be independent. So you can sort of, you know, grow your ranks that way. So a business is much more able to flex to be larger or smaller, depending on what the requirements are from your clients. Yeah, I agree with you so much on the the freelancer point. Uh, I remember when I started my first business in London, I didn't have the money to to go and hire people full-time. And also, when you have people full-time, it adds on a whole different level of complexity. But all of a sudden, with freelancers, I was able to bid for so many different projects because you could pull in the skills or the seniority based on what you needed but maybe you didn't need a really highly experienced person full-time exactly for a specific project yes if you've if you've got that sort of marching army out there able to support you it does give you um many 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 strings to that bow which is um and then you can choose the right people for the right you know particular challenge that is presented to you so it's been wonderful that you know to be able to have people who can work from anywhere you know we've had people working from Scotland from abroad you know from all over the world you know but they may be um, the right person for that job at that point in time it doesn't matter where you're based we get our design work done in Colombia that's fine (laughs) but that's that's the way we should be doing it now I believe so I really believe that yeah that's 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 another new change to get your head around yeah but a a good one but of course some people just can't think that way they can't think differently but you know we we've learned to pivot very quickly and I think actually you know one of the things that has sort of kept me on the straight and narrow you know with with a business or has at least kept me focused on you know the changes that are coming with technology is the fact that we work for technology companies so we're normally talking about you know things like AI you know years ago so when when it you know finally arrives we, we really understand what yeah. the opportunities are that come with it so I think I'm blessed in a way that we sort of specialize a bit in the tech sector so we get a good you know a good uh advance warning that yeah. you know things are going to be very different so start understanding what the what you know how that could change that's uh, that's amazing that you're able to do that um I would love to know when you started your agency in 88, what was your reason behind doing that? Because a lot of times when I hear from entrepreneurs, there's always a reason why they started their business. I should think there's quite a few, actually, because I think what happens is this sort of perfect storm around a lot of other things. But I had been working in an agency, a big global agency that had been bought out by another, you know, Um, big agency and at that point I think it lost the personal touch that I really really enjoyed Um, but I was on great terms with my manager and the head of that agency and in fact I still am they are still people I really really respect so we're still in good contact but I just felt at that time um, you know it was IT was exciting there was an opportunity for a new agency but um, what I really needed was um, some sort of training and development and I felt as though that opportunity to be trained and to develop myself wasn't really there 
And uh, when I politely inquired about it, I think the opportunity to sort of go on some courses to, to have some intense training was really the norm. But it wasn't the norm in any business in those days. There wasn't that focus on training and development. So I thought I'd just have to go and find that myself. And um, and that's why, you know, I set up Firefly really because I wanted to have, you know, a great agency that really looked after its people and brought them on and brought them forward. And I, I do believe there is... Um, a large proportion of the BR industry out there in the UK that have come through the Firefly, you know, school of training. There are a lot of people there um, that have come through our graduate program or just our, you know, our learning programs. And um, that's something that I really wanted to do. It's still something I'm very passionate about. So I think it was the hunt for learning and training. And I just thought, well, I could set up my own business and I could... Um, put myself on courses and I could learn about these things and the, the overconfidence of youth. <laughs> yes. I didn't always have time to particularly go on those training courses. I think, unfortunately, for the people around me, I probably learned the hard way by, by trial and experiment. But but I did learn fast and, um, and I did take the time and effort to learn new things. Mm. And it, it's also having that independence too. I, I love that when I set up my own business that it was like, well, I can do it on my terms and I can work with uh, the people I want to work with and yes. have the people that I like working with me. <laughs> Being fairly strong willed, I think I can identify that a lot. And, um, and that is something that is quite important, I think, particularly when you get to the point in your life where you might want to have a family. Yeah. I didn't really want to have to negotiate a half day off to actually go and get some fertility treatment that I needed. I just went. And I, 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 I didn't really want to have those sort of discussions with people. I just of wanted course. to be able to sort of construct my life in the way that I want it. But, but it wasn't just that way for me, you know, I always wanted to be a very supportive employer of anyone who had to have particular time off for anything that was very important in their life. And um, and we've always adopted that sort of caring, nurturing culture for people as very important to me. I don't think that will ever leave Firefly. That's amazing. And it's, I, I, I mean, I know that from the industry as well, that Firefly has such a great reputation and known as a place that people want to work. So well done you for cultivating that. But actually, that also, I mean, it's really interesting, but that also hasn't really done us any favours. So I would i would caveat that sort of approach hmm. by still saying, you've still got to have your eyes on the prize and the prize is that you've got to make a profit and you've got to have an, a, a business that is growing and developing and delivering to your clients. So I feel as though there are times in our existence when actually we've been too focused on our own internal cult culture and everybody all being, you know, happy. But, you know, a happy, motivated workforce or a happy workforce with high morale doesn't always deliver the great work that you need to be delivered. So you've got to have a really, really careful balance there between making sure you're bringing in the, for us, we're bringing in the creativity and the client programs that are going out are actually absolutely tip top. So, you know, you've actually got to balance that internal culture with what that feels for someone who is a customer or a client and make sure that is paramount and yeah. perfect. And I, I, I hear this a lot from our seven-figure businesses and I've experienced this as well, that it's it's so hard to get that balance right. And when, when we get a number of our seven-figure businesses together, the biggest conversation that comes up is team. And mm. it's like, how do I motivate my team? Am I being too nice? Am I not being nice? You know, what other incentives do I do? How do we make sure that they deliver? And it's, it's, you want to be able to do the right things, but then it's also, 
running the business and making sure that it's profitable and having customers or clients that are happy and yeah. returning. And it's such a juggling act to be able to get that right all the time. There is a really big balance there. Mm-hmm. And I do think people need to think about this a lot and like all the time and almost every day because, you know, what is important in, 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 in any organisation is you've got to look after people as individuals. You can't collect everybody together as, as a team and give them all a team collective pat on the back. You've actually got to look after people individually as well because that is very motivating. So you've got to have just as much effort on the individual as you might have on the team collective, but you've got to gather people together as a team as well inspire them individually inspire them as a team and ultimately make sure with either you're directing people towards the results and the outcome that you need the business to perform Mm. so you know you can all have a you know it's a tuesday oh let's all go out for lunch because it's tuesday it's like no (laughs) let's all go out for lunch because we had a really successful day on monday and we got this 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 let's all go out and celebrate that so you know you can thank an individual you can you know celebrate with a team but because they've done something really great that has had an impact in your business and I think bringing all of those things together individual team celebrating success success for the clients you know success for the business is is the most Mm. important thing and did you within your business did you bring a HR people person on quite early as you started to grow and add more people or did you handle that yourself or I think I handled that myself until we were probably at about 30, 40 people. Then we did hire an HR person, which was one of the best decisions we did. And we generally had an HR person in and around, you know, helping us because there's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of legislation. There's a lot of things to kind of like organize and and administrate. But we now use software that does that for us. So, um you know actually we've got a everything's in the cloud and we've got all our contracts up there all our policies up there we've got online training people can work their way through the training program we've got loads of videos so we can actually bring people on and bring people forward you know really really quickly because we've got the whole thing you know buttoned up you know Mm -hmm. in our in our in our learning management system so I think that you know software if you get it right and if you if you feed it with the right information and if you monitor it maintain it actually that almost uh, you know for a small business like us that replaces the need for an HR manager and between myself and the management team we've got templates we can use um you know we, we know exactly what we have to do and it's flagged if someone's probation is coming up or their first year anniversary is come second third fourth fifth whatever so it's all there and it's all automated so that that contains a lot of the admin mm. that needs to be done but you know I think if we got to sort of 30 40 people again then we would need to have someone in whose role and it yeah. might not be you know full time role I mean uh, there's uh, so many unbelievably talented you know independents out there maybe it's a two day a week role for someone it would be wonderful and maybe you know if we look and think broadly we'll find someone who speaks French English and German which is what we need (laughs) then it can all be taken care of (laughs) yeah well uh, but with one person which would be wonderful because um but there are trilingual people out there we hire trilingual people into our business we've got trilingual operators it just blows my mind how intelligent these these um these people are but they can literally sit in a meeting and switch between the languages and and talk it's just fantastic I wish I could do that (laughs) me too (laughs) but you, you brought up a point which which is really important that businesses don't always think about either is like all the systems and the processes behind the scenes right and getting your standard operating procedures and um, 
all of these things that employees need to know how to do so it can be done consistently in the business, almost like the playbook for your business. Yes. But so many people don't do that. No. I mean, I, it's a it's a it's a constant challenge, but yeah. we've we've documented it now, so we have our firefly way, and that doesn't mean that it's this way and there's no other way because actually sometimes the firefly way might not be the right way, and you have somebody you're coming in from somewhere else and they go, why are you doing it that way? Yeah, well, I don't think about it this way. So you know, the first three months is 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 when people could bring that thinking. By the time they've been with us for sort of six months or so, they've gone native and they just <laughs> accept that's the way that we do things. So we do try and catch people, you know, early on when it's going to occur to them that's a really silly way to do it but um I, you know our fly, firefly way is documented so people can come in and, and absorb it you know quite quickly and also you know I always say to people you know tell us tell us if, if it's not quite right I'll tell us if we forgot something yeah you know help us develop and grow yeah um help us change things for the better but I guess it's just being able to constantly innovate It is. But of course, you know, the thing nowadays is, you know, we've got all our videos stored on our learning management system. But, you know, post COVID, we lost a lot of of that knowledge when, you know, a lot of people did leave. The Great Resignation, you know, affected, you know, so many businesses. And and it was a knowledge drain. You know, it was a firefly way drain. A lot of people at that point, you know, a lot of people were teaching other people. So you had people coming in and biosmosis all got sort of passed down the line. And that was when I decided, right, we need a knowledge management system and we're going to put one in now so we did and 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 that's the way we think as a business you know it would have been better to have realized that before and to have done it but it was it was that eventuality really that made me think we're not going to go through this again we're going to sort ourselves out and do it properly but the pandemic even though it was so painful when we were going through it I'm also convinced that it had to happen because for us it changed changed everything it changed the way that we work the way that we think about work and yeah, I would think you uh, want to go back the old way? Well, we we didn't we we weren't really doing everything like the old way anyway. We yeah. were working from home a lot. We had all our systems in the cloud. We could work remotely. So I think when the when the pandemic did hit, we we were okay because we'd been we'd been quite sort of flexibly working for a very long time. So the only thing that happened was that nobody really went into the office for a while. And that was a little strange. But, you know, once you're chatting to all your colleagues on Zoom or Teams or whatever it was, you kind of feel as you're with them anyway. Um, It it was okay for us. We sort of thundered along and it was okay. Um, Thankfully, it was okay. Um, But, you know, but nobody could have predicted the great resignation and the impact of that. And that was very sad. I mean, it was so sad. I was very sad to lose so many people. But I also understand that, you know, post-trauma, things need to change. People need to look at different walls. And I don't, I don't, I I can't really explain it because I don't think anybody can. But, you know, I understand after a traumatic experience, people might want to try something different. Yeah. And you, you as a business owner, you've been through a number of recessions. I Mm. I think I've been through three now. I started up in the middle of one. And uh, yeah, there have been quite a few, I think six or seven at the last count. So yes. It's, when you've been through it, you've been through more than I have, that you kind of begin to know what to expect, right? Well, it's always a bit different. Yes. But, you know, you... You know, what I've done is I've put in a few um, rules. So, you know, if things start to look a little bit, you know, squeaky, <laughs> then I have some rules about, you know, looking forward, you know, how how should it be? Looking forward with the current, you know, workforce, the current client base. What if this? What if that? So I do a three-month look-ahead what-ifs, and I just make sure that with the what-ifs, 
everything is still okay. So, you know, I do actually project forward just to make sure that we can pivot if we need to pivot. I just make sure we are fit and ready to pivot. And I think that's the most important thing. But the worst thing, I think, in a recession is that someone doesn't look forward, isn't brave enough to just, like, face the music, and then it all crumbles around them. You've got to... You've got to imagine how things are going to be different you've got to imagine what you would do you've got to you know get some things ready behind the scenes so you know whatever you need to do you can you can move swiftly Mm. and I think that's the most important thing but you've also got to believe that it's not going to last forever you know it's a phase and it will pass you know and you know I think it was Winston Churchill said that if you're going through hell just keep going you know you've you've got to just keep going yeah and um you've got to keep going as best you can so don't let it get you down think positively it will end it's a phase get through it yeah I I couldn't agree with you more I think um I thought that I had probably lived through the worst of the 2008 recession I was like it can't be any worse than this (laughs) and then 2020 happened yeah and then I think, you know, 2020 happened. That was hard. Um, mm. For me as a business owner, I lost almost all of our business within within a week. And we had a very, very healthy cash flow before then and had six months sitting in the bank at least. And all of that went so quickly because there was no money coming in. Mm. And I realized if I got through that, you can get through anything. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. One of my mantras. <laughs> And the other one is, it'll be all right. I mean, you did get through it uh, and it's okay. So um, you will get through it and it'll be all right. So people laugh at me when I was Claire saying it's going to be all right. It'll be be all right. (laughs) But it's like that with everything, right? Even when when we have the worst things that happen. And I know you've you've had some tough times over the years and tragically you lost your husband 12 years ago and you were running the business together and then... You were running the business by yourself and you were a single mum. Yeah, all in the middle of a recession as well. In, yes, <laughs> yes. But no one yeah. can predict that kind of timing. So, uh, yeah, it was quite difficult, I must say. Um, and the, the, a lot of women as well that I know have something, whether it's, you know, a, an illness or a death in the family or something, d- divorce happens quite a lot as well. Yeah. How... What what advice would you give to women to to be able to manage that and get through that? Well, I have had some you know dark years, um, you know, dealing with all of that, and and it, and it is a little bit lonely if you're running your own business. And I um, I sought solace, you know, with um, girlfriends who were very supportive, actually. I also had some other heads of other agencies who were just so unbelievably kind. They would uh, invite me out for lunch. People who might have previously been, you know, competitors and I might have been a little bit wary of them. They were so kind. They reached out to to meet me and they were so encouraging um, that, you know, Firefly's a great agency. You are a great leader. You know, you will be all right. And I I needed to hear that. So there are some very kind people out there and it's surprising who they are. It's often not who you expect them to be um but you know um al- allow that to happen let people be kind to you um and just you know grit your teeth and get through it actually because time passes which doesn't really heal it but you no. kind of get used to it and I, I don't think that well you know losing my 
my husband and my business partner and the father of my children. You know, you don't time time doesn't heal that. But as time goes by, it sort of dulls the pain and you just get used to walking around the big hole that it leaves in your life. Mm. So um, I, I think that just remember that, um, you know, there is a future there to be had and you've probably got to find a way and find a time when it's right to sort of look forward with a little bit of positivity and a little bit of a fresh outlook and just to try and rebuild your life somehow. Yeah. And and for me at that time, as well as my amazing, you know, friends, um, I decided to sort of go back and find myself again. So I started to go to a lot of school reunions and to meet up with my school friends. And a lot of my school friends came on my 50th birthday. And, you know, uh, they, 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 they were just so lovely. And actually, it was at a school reunion many years later um, that I met my new husband. And I'm now remarried. <laughs> we weren't at school at the same time, but he has the same values. We have the same values having been to the same school. And, you know, five years later, I, I, I was feeling, you know, um, different and ready for, you know, a new relationship. So it, it's been great, actually. And remarkably, he is so supportive yeah. of, you know, the relationship that I had with um, my first husband and the, built the business, father of my kids. He, It's almost, it's uh, he's, he's so respectful of that. He even takes me out out for dinner on my wedding anniversary with my first husband and buys me some champagne and flowers you know from him which is he's a mature man he's he's a big man to to do that kind of thing is and there are some wonderful men out there so I, I I suppose as well um you know losing a husband is of course not great but there was a sort of a um you know an ending to everything um but when people go through a divorce, it's different sometimes because it's yes. not really an ending, and it goes on and on and on for many many years. I can attest to that, and um, yeah. and it and it doesn't stop because that person is still around um, in the world, um, still around, you know, with your children, and and that can be you know very difficult. So, I think that you know um, managing all these complex relationships around running your business, um, running your family. Um, just all these um, little curveballs that life throws at you, it is really difficult and you need to make some time to be kind to yourself so you've got the mental energy and resources to kind of deal with that because I think the easiest thing to do is to bury yourself in your work and um, and think, well, it'll blow over and it'll be all right. But you've probably got to, to, to face a few of those demons at some point and yeah. sort some things out. Give yourself time and space to, to sort out those sorts of things. You really need to do that rather than a workaholic and yeah hope for the best but I I think what you said as well so the self-care is so important but also asking for help yes I see a lot of women are scared to ask for help or are embarrassed or feel ashamed that they should think men are worse asking for help yeah men are worse (laughs) for sure but that's where you need your friends as you said your friends your girlfriends to also be the ones who call you up and be like it's okay. You know, if you want to cry, come over to my house and we can have a cry. If you want me to call you and tell you how amazing you are, I will do that for you as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I I think there's, it's great to ask for help. And there there are some unbelievably kind people who will offer you that help and that reassurance and, and actually help build your confidence. Because I think there are times when your confidence just wobbles a little yeah. bit. So, you know, there are people around you who will do that. So hang out with them yeah. <laughs> and, and choose your friends really carefully. Yeah. Choose who you hang out with because, you know, it's a horrible saying, I suppose, but I, I feel as though it's also quite true. There are people in your life who sort of drain you of your energy, who um, take a lot of your time, who are 
wanting things for themselves and not really giving a lot back. Um, there are just people who are there to kind of, I suppose, take in a way, really. But there are also people who are a lot more giving and who, who give that sort of radiant energy about them and hang out with more of them. But also remember, it's a two-way street, so you've got yeah. to help them too. So yeah. don't, be a, don't be that sort of draining person to be around and don't surround yourself with them yeah. either. Yeah. Now, I, I've found that as I've gotten older as well, that having friends, especially that are business owners, helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and I found that some of my closest friends have become women who I've met actually through female fusion. Yes. <laughs> and they're the ones who are like my biggest cheerleaders and I'm their biggest cheerleaders. And, you know, when you have that bad day, they'll message you and be like, I just think you're great. Um, so I'm going to let let's stop talking about business building for a second, because yep. I would be crazy if I didn't ask you about PR and communications, because mm -hmm. so many business owners want to know that. And they're like, but how do I get in the news? How do I get on TV? Um, if a business let's start in the beginning, if a business is just getting started, what sort of things should they be thinking about from well, a probably not get point? on the news and get on TV? Because this is like. <laughs> This is like machine gun fire in the dark. You're probably yeah. not going to hit anything. Uh, not, not that that's You're a very nice analogy, uh, I'm afraid to say. Sorry, it's probably very bad taste. But it, but it is. Um, it's just too vague, too nonspecific, not, not at all directed at anyone. So I think that a lot of people have the wrong impression of what you know, good PR could do with them. And this industry has changed. It's not all about PR. And it was PR and comms. Yeah. And I think if you look at... If you look at all of that in its broadest sense, it's looking after what is the reputation of that individual or what is the reputation of that organisation. And that can come in many guises. It's, you know, what your clients think about you, what your customers think about you. Because if they're saying really great things and if what you're doing is really delivering amazing value, you need to be getting hold of those happy clients or those happy customers, writing up little stories about them. And that's the story that you need in the media, yeah. not the story about how marvellous and shiny I am because I've yeah. done all these things. It might not be right to be profiling yourself. It might be more important to be, you know, telling the story of what you've delivered to these people. And actually is, you know, is the media the right place to be doing that? Unless there are magazines, um, digital magazines or newspapers that are very directed at the people that you want to get to, it might be that actually it's the wrong place to start. Yeah. So finding the right people, being a, a, a LinkedIn premium person and finding the right job title, titles of the people that you really need to get to, that is probably a more sensible way to go. Definitely. And, you know, things like um, LinkedIn can be incredibly powerful. Yeah. I mean, even... Instagram, if that's where your audience is, but yep. business owners need to really think about where their audience is. <laughs> totally, yeah, totally. And I and and that comes back to something you were mentioning about you know think strategically, plan ahead, think about what you should be doing. And I, I you know, if anybody is stepping into or thinking, oh, I think it's about time we did a little bit of PR. Yeah. You know why? Well, well, why? What is? What are you wanting that to deliver for you? And and I would urge, you know, anybody thinking about it is like, what is the end that you want to see? What are the results that you want to see? And start with that end in mind. It's this many more customers. It's that much more revenue. It's it's getting into this part of the government. It's influencing this. You know, what is? What is it that you want to see change? Because that's what you drive everything towards. And then you measure it. 
to make yeah. sure you're getting there. And then you know if you've been successful or, or if you haven't. And on that journey, you will know that that didn't work, but this really seems to be mm. working. So stop doing that and do more of that. You know, you probably have to experiment a little bit, but I think that at least knowing what the ROI is you are searching for is the most important thing. Yeah. I, I really love that you said that about thinking with the end result, because a lot of times people go to it and go, well, I want press coverage because they think that press coverage is going to give them more sales. And it's like, is it really? Not really. That's not the end, is it? That's, <laughs> That's not, not the, the end, end in mind. Goal. It's people. And I think sometimes that there's this idea that if I am in a newspaper, all of a sudden I'm going to have a thousand people buy from me. When really that's just one of the many touch points that they need to see before they make that decision to buy from you. It might it might not have that sudden eclipsing sort yeah. of, you know, impact. But, you know, seven or eight or nine or ten of those sorts of things happening around the same sort of time with the same yes. sort of messaging could have some impact. But I think you've got to touch someone you know, mentally, you know, quite a few times before they actually sort of do something different or do something. So, um, you know, what will those seven touch points be? But it won't be seeing the same advert on the tube when you're going home. It won't be reading the same story, you know, seven times in, you know, Metro that might get you to do something. It's It's got to be a little bit more consistent in terms of what you're what you're trying to achieve. But one shot in one place is not it's not it's not an impact it's an activity that has got a sort of a result but that doesn't necessarily mean there is an impact it doesn't really strategy. deliver any value yeah yeah I'm, I'm always saying you need a plan <laughs> you do you do you do and I also think that when sometimes people search for these sort of you know lovely pieces and it, it, there's a bit of vanity possibly behind that. And I think people can be seduced yeah. by what is a vanity, van, vanity metric. And um, and it's easy to be seduced by that because we're all human. Yeah. <laughs> we're all human and we all think, oh, it's marvellous. Um, but actually, is it? Is it really? And um, and I think every now and then you just got to like sober up and really know what the impact is to the business of doing that mm. and channel all your energies into what is going to deliver value to the business. And what about some businesses get to a point where they want to hire an agency? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can go really well. Other times, spectacularly not well. I, I see this with our members as well, that they go, right, I'm ready. I have budget to go and spend on a PR agency. I want to get PR. And it doesn't always work out. What what pieces of advice would you give to business owners if they're looking at hiring a PR agency to make sure that relationship will be successful? I would say hiring a PR agency can actually be really expensive. Yes. And um, and actually, I think sometimes you don't need an agency at all. You might need a really amazing freelancer. And the PR industry is fantastically full of these amazingly talented people who have done their 10 years working in an agency and now they want to do their own thing and they want to be independent and and it is the most fantastic pool of talent there ever was so I would reconsider working with an agency unless you've got a budget of like thousands to spend a month a yeah. month yeah. and because you know the way an agency works is they would bring a client in on a sort of a a basis to deliver a program over however many months, you know, delivering a, a campaign over that period of time. So if you're not 
if you're not in a position to have a number of thousands of pounds over a period of months, then work with a freelancer who might give you half a day or a day, a week or something, or however much it is. But even with the freelancer, pin it down to what difference you want to see. What are the results that are important to you? But it depends on where you are scaling as a business as to whether you would be better off working with a freelancer or better off working with an agency. There are always agencies that will work for a teeny tiny budget, but, you know, will they be delivering the results that you want? Will you get half a day of someone who's fresh out of university, um, you know, working on your business? I think it's really important to know who will be actually working on your business to make sure that you're getting that level of support that you really require. So, you know, just be careful and um, know that you've got the budget, know what you want that budget to deliver, know who's working on your business. But if unless you've got a biggish budget, find a freelancer. Yeah. And there's great freelancers. Amazing freelancers. And you've got organisations like the PRCA, they've got databases of freelancers. So you can ring up the PRCA and say, I need a freelancer in travel. I need a freelancer in food and beverage. I need a freelancer in tech. And they'll give you some names. And I think as well that they they have a global database, don't they? I believe they do, yeah. They're an amazing organisation. Yeah, Yeah, they reach out to all sorts of people everywhere. It's great. So that'll be great as well for people listening who are all over the world. Yes. But I'm also a big believer too. I guess it depends on where you're looking for getting press coverage of looking and hiring people in different markets because sometimes as well you'll be able to to find different talent that you might be able to find locally. Now for things like PR sometimes that can be a bit challenging if you're looking for things locally but then if you're looking for more international reach some great freelancers for all sorts of things you can Absolutely find. yeah they're all out there yeah yeah, it's a busy, busy industry full of a lot of talented people. But, you know, a, a, a lot of the people don't want to work in agencies, bef- you know, anymore. So, you know, there are some fabulous people who work in agencies and there are agencies that do really, really great work. But it's horses for courses. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to say that working with an agency is the o- isn't the only way to go. Yeah, well, know? especially when you have a smaller budget. Yep. You, as a as a small business, even if you're over seven figures or doing a couple million in a year, mm. that you might not still have that that amount of money allocated for doing PR and communications. No, that's right. And we we are fairly careful the sort of clients that we take on. We need to take on clients that are a certain size because then we know we can deliver value back to them. So speaking from an agency's perspective I need to sort of protect ourselves as well because I don't want to find myself in a situation where we haven't quite got the time to do the great job that we would want to do so we've got a sort of you know some some set ways of some good questions that we would ask people who were coming to us and we need to know they're probably if they're fairly new they're series c maybe or series d in terms of you know a funding round or they've got you know so many people working in the business or they can communicate their path to profitability if they haven't got one which is always, you know, um, sometimes a bit of a stalling gate, you know, for some organisations. So, you know, we've got some fairly big questions that we ask just to make sure that it's the kind of organisation that can absolutely capitalise on all the great work we could do. Actually, I, I want to touch on that really quickly because I think that's really interesting. This gets brought up a lot in Female Fusion too, is people will will struggle with qualifying clients or customers. So say, you know, oh, I, you know, did a proposal for that person and they've ghosted me or they've said that, you know, my price is too high or, you know, they, they're struggling with, with qualifying the right clients. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important step to to have within that whole 
new business phase. Yes, well, you know, we are... We started getting really organised on this, you know, many, many years ago, but we have a sales policy now. And, you know, there are only certain people in the company that are trained and qualified to take those sales calls to qualify them. And we're quite, we're quite, you know, we're quite together on our qualifying, but we know what we're looking for. We know where our sweet spot is. We know where we can deliver. And, um, and if it's kind of outside of the sales policy, there might be a good reason to make an exception to the rule, but we will discuss that as a team and, and agree that that's what we want to do. Otherwise, we do our best to s- stay with the sales policy. Otherwise, we know it can just all go wrong and we don't want it to go wrong. So, you know, we know where we can perform our best. Yeah. I agree with you so much on that. <laughs> so important to qualify those people. Uh, you're also doing a lot of training. You, you've played a really big role in the PRCA, which is the Public Relations Consultants Association. Correct, yes. Um, you're doing a number of courses. You have been for years for them. But one course um, I think is really interesting, even for business owners, is you do a lot on negotiation. I do. I I. I, I factor, you know, managing difficult conversations yeah. and um, and how to you know, get yourself in the right, you know, headspace for those sorts of difficult conversations. Because I think that, well, certainly from my perspective in the PR industry, you know, there are a lot of a lot of people pleasers in the industry who just want to do everything and want to, you know, oblige. And actually, you know, a budget is a budget and a plan is a plan and you get that whole scope creep thing going on and before you know where you are a client might be paying you for three days work a week but you're doing sort of like four and a half and and this is I think this is where a lot of agencies haven't quite got the right controls in place because you you should know that you should be able to deliver great results on those three days and you should know what those three days are looking like and you can flex and do other things if they come in but then maybe other things that aren't so important aren't done but you know the 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 classic thing is to sort of embrace it all and just sort of lie down as um you know and 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 accept it all so i think that you know having having a kind way of just keeping the scope within the budget is what a lot of people need in the pr industry so i train Mm -hmm. people how to do that I think it's something entrepreneurs need a lot of help with as well. well. <laughs> I, I'm sure because you know you 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 can easily get carried away by doing you know everything for everyone, and yeah. and actually you probably might find that you're spending an awful lot of time doing the things that aren't really making a difference to your business, and not enough time on the things that really do make a difference. So you know this whole Pareto principle, eighty twenty rule yeah. applies, and um and you need to think about that. And sometimes it helps to talk to somebody else about some of these things because they can point out to you what is immediately obvious if you're coming into these things fresh but if you're working in your business and trying to do things you're sort of blind to it because there's so much going on around you so fresh pair of eyes can sometimes be a good thing but I I do help people just get themselves in the right headspace to, to I help them to learn how to prep for those awkward conversations I I help them to work out how to think of the other person's point of view because that is really important I help them to think about their listening because actually the biggest part of a negotiation is to listen to what the other party is saying and what the other party wants you've got to really listen to understand that and then zone in on the things that are really really important because a lot of it won't be so important but there are some really key points that will be very important so what are they 
Um, so yes, I do a lot of that training, and it's 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 great fun, and I think it gives people you know a lot more confidence and a lot more um, structure about the way that they would approach a difficult conversation rather than mm. walking in and thinking, well, I'll just wing it, or, or or which is the worst thing to do. Winging it never yeah. works. No, well. no, it's the worst <laughs> thing to do. You'll just you know end up coming out with like nothing that is going to yeah. work, and you'll probably have this perpetuating problem of whatever the whatever the issue was in the first place. So you know there are there are ways to come out of every um, awkward conversation in a way that everybody feels as though they've kind of got something and they've got what they need they might not have got everything that they need but they've got enough and and if you can prep and think about that then this makes for quite painless conflict and, and that's what I like to promote painless you know conflict painless so you content. Painless, painless, com- painless com- conflict. Painless conflict. So, so yes, you've got two people coming with quite different views, yeah. but discussing those views, airing those views, coming up with something that you can take forward is painless. Yeah. <laughs> because you're prepared to listen to one another and work away through it together. Yeah. Makes total sense. Win-win for everyone. Yes. Yeah. One last question I have for you. <laughs> so we've been talking about, um, mainly about Firefly, but... One little thing that I learned about you is that, and I think this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, is that we're always looking at different things and like to be kept busy with different things. And I've discovered that you have other businesses. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a director of six at the moment. It was eight. It's gone down to six, which is great. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Slowing things down a little bit. But you have one which I think is really cool, which... Nobody, I think, listening to this would expect. And that is that you have created a social enterprise in your local community um, and you're making jams and chutneys. <laughs> tell, tell everybody a little bit more about that. It's a bit of an accidental, um, you know, jamming thing going on here, but it was born out of COVID. And it, w- it sort of timed with moving to the countryside inheriting a ridiculously large but rather fabulous vegetable patch and fruit bushes and wondering what am I going to do with this avalanche of fresh you know ingredients that is just landing in my kitchen every day so I I started making it but actually I used to do this before and um, I used to do this with my mother I used to do this with my mother-in-law so it wasn't too foreign for me to get my um, to get my jam pan out and do something with it but it it just got to the point where my husband said "I've, I've just eaten enough jam and I can't eat anymore could you please just give it away or just sell it or just do something so I don't have to eat it all and and that's where I was selling it just outside the house and then in the local shop and then at local market you know all all at weekends you know making it in the evening which was very therapeutic there's something very therapeutic going back to nature working with fresh produce creating a little product and then people telling you they loved it and could they buy another one there was something very nourishing about that and and still is but you know one thing has led to another and I now have a couple of um ladies who who help me and they've they've got young children at school so they come after the school run and we do well they do a few hours I set it all up and then they go and collect their kids from the school run so it's just just a tiny little thing but you know it's employing people locally it's using all the excess produce that is in and around all the kitchen gardens and the allotments and you know uh, and people donate produce so I, I might pop up to the post office and come back and find a suitcase of quinces or cooking apples on my doorstep so if people have got excess they sort of dump it on my doorstep That's knowing fantastic. knowing I'll m- make good use of it and we do give up profits you know a good slug of our profits to local charities and cancer charities so I feel as though in a way we're sort of 
having fun and also giving something back. And and I and I do think it is important for organisations to be giving back. Yeah. You know, over our time at Firefly, we've painted old people's homes and planted a new garden for a deaf association. And we've been involved in a lot of projects, doing a lot of things, you know, setting up sling swings in um, children's playgrounds and things like that. You know, it is lovely to do those sorts of things. I think it's important if you can create that around team building as well. That's a really good thing to do as well. But I think a company really does have to have a conscience and to give back to society in whatever way you feel that you can. But, you know, this this whole jamming thing has been uh, hilarious and um, continues, you know, on its journey. But, you know, <laughs> Firefly is my big love and I need to remember that, you know, yeah. I have to spend time doing this. <laughs> but it must just feed your soul right it does yes no it does there's something there's something lovely about it and it seems to be a story that you know appeals to people I think it's because it's so sort of homely (laughs) and so sort of old quaint and old-fashioned and you know is there any technology involved in this well I use AI to create my labels and um, you know and actually I store everything in the cloud Um, but apart from that it's very analog you know you've got your cookers and you've got your fruit and you just have to sort of work your way through these things you know physically so it's delightfully non-digital really in a way and 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 actually that that's rather fun but it's like the the slowing down to speed up in a little way that it gives your brain a chance to to reset i'm there sorting out all all my prep and i'm thinking all the time but i have to also remember i've got a knife in my hand and i want to make sure i've still got five fingers but you know but actually it is quite good meditative time it is quite good sort of still time where i'm physically sort of busy not doing anything too dangerous but i'm doing something but my brain is like worrying the whole time about all sorts of things so i have found it you know incredibly useful well thank you so much for sharing your journey from the very beginning and everything that you've gone through and sharing the journey of creating the jam business as well. (laughs) Who would have thought? Who would have thought? I think a lot of people go, what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it shows as well that there's so many things that you you don't need to be just limited by by what you have in your business that oh. there's so many other things every single person has got those hidden talents yeah every single person what's yours and just go for it yeah <laughs> yeah well I, I I have so many things if, if I could create 10 different businesses I would yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes you have to remember there's only so much time in the day and, exactly. and be and be realistic about that yeah but um it's quite nice to just carve out a little bit of your life to do that something little special that grounds you it grounds me well thank you so much for sharing your your journey on the women on the rise podcast thank you so much jen thanks claire it can be quite an adventure having a business you have your highs and you have your lows and sometimes that can all be in one day and one of the challenging things that you can face is you don't know who you can talk to Well, within Female Fusion, we have thousands of female entrepreneurs from around the world who are the most beautiful community who are there to help women every step of the journey when you have a business. The doors to our membership are open now. And if you are a female business owner, we would love to have you be a member of Female Fusion. All you need to do is go to femalefusionnetwork.com forward slash join.